welcome to Rivera Dojo. My name is Ken Rivera, and as always, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to connect with you all whenever I can. Today I want to talk about an experience I had just yesterday, and it kind of resonates or brought back the argument that I've been having, this internal argument, this wrestling with the idea or disagreement more so, right? My disagreement with the idea of bringing your whole self, right? One's whole self. And this just, you know, the whole inclusivity movement and bring your whole self to work. I, I, I've argued previously that it's not, it's not sustainable, right? And I guess that's my point. It's not sustainable. And, and I briefly touched on this within my series around mindfulness where I was sharing an introduction of mindfulness based on my experiences with it. And it was, it sort of echoed that again, like, see, this is why, this is why that doesn't work. Now, I'm not going to go into details about the experience, just so a, a person shared a personal bit of information about their lives uh, within a corporate or organizational setting, right? Basically put this personal information out there for organizational digestion and they were they were met with with significant opposition, right? All along the lines of we're being inclusive, we're bringing our whole selves to work, right? So this individual brought their whole self in sharing this personal and private experience, right, from her personal life into a workplace setting or content system, right? And their peers basically operating from their own whole selves, right? Uh, a lot of them just really went in. They really went in. And in observing this scenario, it, remind, it just reminded me of that this is why. You know, because the argument ultimately began, the argument or the response was ultimately, you know, well, this we have policies and procedures of how to basically treat each other, you know, the ethics of it. The argument became around the ethics of it. Like, you're not supposed to be behaving that way to the information that I'm sharing. You know what I mean? So now it's it's obviously a human resources issue. But therein lies the fault or flaw. And it's a critical flaw, a critical flaw, because it overlooks the fact that the majority of us, and I've said it a hundred times, you know, you listen to anything that I've said on this podcast, I've said it a hundred times, the majority of us are not aware of our behavior. And none of us, in my opinion, are truly, can, can honestly say we are a whole self, you know, ourselves are whole, right? More, and, and much more is the inability for us to say that we have a, an understanding of ourselves, right? The majority of us, and I argue this confidently, the majority of us do not even know who we truly are. Why? Because personality, and I've said this before as well, basically you're going to hear a lot of ideas that I've already shared, but it's it's because of this point, this scenario, this observation sort of resonated within those spaces, right? Our personalities are fragments, right? It's faceted. And and the energy that's coming out of us is not all from within us to a degree. 
there are a lot of external contributors, right? From childhood to present state. Me sitting in my chair right now talking to you. My personality, what I'm talking about, right? The way that I behave in this current state is a compilation of influences. Genetic, people, right? Parents, close family, teachers, anyone who has had access to me long enough to implant an idea in my head has influenced my personality, has influenced my thinking, has created or or they're they're essentially a stockholder as it relates to the shares that make up who I am, right? They're shareholders. All of those individuals are shareholders, right? So kind of pivoting to the professional uh, setting, right? Let's, Let's use the language. When we think about the company, right, the organization that is ourselves, are we aware of all the shareholders? Are we aware of everyone who has a stake in who we are, right? And there's two sides to that. There's the people that have influenced us, and there's the people that we have influenced over time and are ultimately influencing in our current state, right? If you're a manager, you're influencing subordinates. If you're a parent, you're influencing children. If you're in a marriage, you know, a relationship, you're influencing your partner. You're influencing friends, right? We, as much as we have been influenced, we are influencing. And when we think about the organization of ourselves, right, the organization of it, how much of it are we aware of? Can we truly take a look at ourselves? If we were to assess ourselves, right, assess our own behavior, if we took the time first to be aware, because that's where it starts. And I've already led with the majority of us are unaware of our behavior, right? So if we can get to a place where we're aware of our behavior and then assess our behavior, right? Whether in a period of time, like I'm going to tag this action right here because the way that I acted within my awareness of that action is a little bizarre. That doesn't line up with who I am. It felt influenced, right? Perfect example of that. If I spend the whole day watching, you know, a, a, a social media outlet or a mass media, you know, a main, whatever they call it, mainstream media outlet, right? And I have that cycle of information being fed into my head. I'm essentially being programmed, right, by an external force. An external shareholder is influencing my outputs. It's influencing my thinking, is influencing what ultimately becomes my values, right? Now, I'm pivoting to values because that's a, this is where it gets really, really important. At an early age, we develop our own set of values, right? When, we're, when our personalities are evolving, and this is usually in our late teens into early 20s, if we're lucky. Some of us still haven't got there. And I'm a kid, but it's true. The, we're developing our, our our value set, and a lot of it is influenced. You know, there's you'll hear people online talk about you know um, uh, terms like uh, indoctrination. Right? We're all indoctrinated. We've all been as children. We've been indoctrinated by our parents. It's, again, that's the influence, right? Our parents, family members, all the people who have access to us have been part of our indoctrination. Indoctrination is not necessarily a bad word. It's just a word. And it has a meaning. And it basically means that you're, you've been influenced, 
right? You've been programmed, you've been conditioned, and it's natural. In the same way a lioness indoctrinates their children, you know, her cubs, to hunt, to be hunters, because that's how they survive, right? It's all, it's training, it's influence, right? So let's not be scared by words, one. Now, when we, when we unpack that, and we realize it, going back to the personality thing, right? We develop essential our values, set what we believe in. At an early age, we tend to like the sports team that our parents have taught us to like, right? We tend to worship the God that our parents have taught us to worship. Uh, we tend to have the political ideology that our parents have basically programmed. You know, they're in, we're, by, we're essentially the collateral damage of their programming, right? When a child is in earshot of what's influencing you, they too are influenced, right? Then they're also influenced by your outputs, your regurgitation of that information, right? So they get a double hit. They get the, they, they're, they, they're getting the actual influence and then your perspective of the influence. So essentially you're co-signing it. They're, they're experiencing the parental co-signing of it. Oh, if my parents believe it, then it's got to be true because my parents know everything. Until they get to the crisis points where they're in you know, young adulthood and they start to challenge their own thinking. And then higher learning gets blamed for it. Now, those values, our personal and individual values, are, are just that. They're personal and they're individual, right? But a lot of them. I stress, they're not of our own design. We have not ever, I can't say ever, the majority of us, this is my belief, the majority of us have not got to a point where we have actually questioned, right, applied scientific, much less applied scientific method to our ideas, what we believe in, right? The biggest, if you've ever studied philosophy, the biggest argument, you want to you wanna go into a philosopher's party and set it off? Ask God, ask the question of God, and it starts, it begins. Why? They start to apply the scientific method to it, and you start to hear, you know, the exchange of ideas and arguments, and really it's just a matter of, all right, what's the criteria? There's a whole method, and I truly believe that philosophy in some form should be taught in middle school. When children are developing their personality, when children are most susceptible to influence, when their brains are most malleable or shaped, you know, they can be shaped, right? When our brains are being shaped by our parental and environmental influences and we're forming this personality and value such, we're not being taught to question those values, question that ideology, right? Whether it's white supremacy or black nationalism or, you know, whatever, you know, strong views incorporate, you know, the Latino experience or the Spanish experience or the Hispanic experience or whatever term we want to use to classify that group of people, right? We're not taught to question those values, those ideas, to really find out what sticks, much less what feels right to us, right, as it relates to our intuition. So we just take it and we run with it, right? And where do we run? Into the workplace eventually, right? Millions of individual value sets start to work, move into the workplace, right? They go through college or trade school or work up the career ladder, you know, from entry level up. And now they're in, now they're in an organization. Now they're in a company. And companies still 
are established with a mission and values, right? Good companies have good values. Good companies have good missions. And a major part of the organizational success is founded in the ability for employees to align with the company organizational corporate values. Now, that in and of itself, if, if you've been paying attention, should start to kind of raise that question in your head too. All right, so how does bringing my whole self, my including my values, right? How does that measure against it? Imagine, and, and the problem is scale. <laughs> you know, think of this, think of how that problem scales when you're talking about international corporations where you have not just individual personalities and ideas, but cultures, group cultures that are very different from each other interacting within this structure, within this contract. So the parameters, the boundaries of the organization tend to be the values and principles, the corporate policies, right? The corporate policies now, if you look at it as a structure, you have the mission of the company, right? This is what we do and why we do it, right? Then you have the values. This is how we do it. And then the policies ultimately both reinforce, right? Inform, reinforce, and hold the organizational employees accountable to the how we do it, right? If we have a you know, no bullying policy, right? That might be founded in the value or aligned with the value of treat each other fairly and kindly. Like, what's the ethics? What are our organizational ethics? Now, organizational ethics. Organizational ethics, right? So when I, as a prospective employee, go into a company, part of my responsibilities is not just the quantitative work that I do. It's the qualitative work that I need to do as well. Not just what I do, it's how I do it. Because how I do it ultimately should be in alignment with the company. I should reflect organizational values within my every action. So, wait, whose values? My own values? No, no. My own values will add value, right? My personal, you know, my personality and, and my core values that I established when I was a kid and continued to develop through into adulthood and now my professional life, you know, the workplace, they, they're there to add value, right? The organization is not to align with me. I, I just got there. You know, the organization has been there, right? My purpose there is to align with, not purpose, but ultimately my role is, is in alignment with. And just that my role is not to be Ken Rivera, who I am, who I was born as. My role is to be the role that the, the essentially the scope of responsibilities that they defined for me to, to do to perform, right? What is the what is the what is the you know the the bucket of my my responsibilities? That's my role, right? And that role, how I operate within that role, has to ultimately align with the organization, not me. Now I can make value assessments and say, hey, that doesn't sit well with me. I'm not in, you know, there's there's an ethical conflict here. You know, like, let, let's say, let's say I'm working for an organization whose mission is like total contrast from what my values are. Like, like I'm a vegan. I'm not going to go work for the, for the beef industry, 
You know what I mean? And I'm in charge of, you know, operations, you know, or, or facilities. I don't, I'm where I'm basically putting daily constant contact with that which I am against, you know, totally against from within my own personal value statement. So there's that whole thing that needs to happen. I need to, I need to reconcile, right? Organizational values against my own to see if there's a good fit. That's where you have a performance match. Yeah, this is going to work well for me. I'm going to perform well here because I can align with the values. But ultimately, that's a decision. That decision that I make is what ultimately decides whether I work there or not, right? It, it can potentially influence changes, right? Now, as there's been changes in our society, you've seen organizations adapt their values to change, to that change, right? But enter inclusivity and the way that they market it, bring your whole self. People confuse bring your whole self as I'm going to bring all of my influences and values. No, they mean if you're, you know, of a different culture or ethnicity, I don't subscribe to race. If you're of a different ethnicity, bring those cultural values into your work. Add, that's the added value that I talked about before. Bring that added value into your work. If you're multilingual, bring that added value into your work. You know, if you have a gender preference, you know what I mean? Or, and, you know, bring your identity, bring your gender, all of that as a value add, a value, additional value. But ultimately, your behavior, your behavior has to align with the organization. The mistake that we're making, again, you know, that, that's being made here. I don't think we're making it. I'm, not, I'm certainly not making it. But the mistake that's being made here is that there's not enough attention to the instructional component. There's an assumption that if we pay for these huge exercises as a company and we're going we're gonna to introduce inclusivity and we're going to make a big marketing effort around it and we're going to roll all of this language into our policies and procedures and, and hiring and retention and things of that nature, people are going to get it. They don't get it because the average person is not aware Right? The average person has to be it has to be made clear that this is what self means. This is what self doesn't mean, right? And the reason why I experience that, and and others will experience it, and the people that are directly experiencing it, my heart goes out to them because you've you know you're dealing you've opened up you've put yourself in a vulnerable space, right? Believing that, if you think about it, right, the, the, and I said, as I said earlier, the values create that safe space for us to build trusting relationships, right? Good organizations uh, invest in values as sort of a perimeter. These are the boundaries in which we do our work. This is, once we know how to do our work and we're aligned around how to do our work, and that work ultimately aligns with the values of the organization, it gives us space to focus on the quality of our work and the quality of our relationships you build trust. Right. Because I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to respect somebody in the workplace. I'm going to respect somebody who works well. I'm going to want to get to know a person who works well, a person who doesn't work well. I'm not really going to be that interested in. So, so the, the trust is built off the work. When the work is in alignment and you're performing well, then you help your you know, not only do you help yourselves in your organization, but you help your peers. You're now a positive influence on your peers. Peers are going to gravitate towards that. One ones who are like minded, of course. Right. And you start to build trusting relationships that are rooted in 
the work that you're doing on a day-to-day basis, right? Because that's a sort of different type of relationship. Your workplace relationship is different than your personal life relationship. You're going into it with a different mindset. It's a different framework. It's usually built on work. The workplace should be, those all relationships should be built on work. You start your conversations around work, then you slowly get to know each other better, right? In your personal life, it's rare that you're going to go up to someone and have work conversations that lead into an intimate relationship. In personal life, you start talking about yourself. Hey, this is who I am or who I want to be, right? We present our ideal self or ideal self to prospective partners, to prospects, right? Whereas in the workplace, you present the ideal service, right? Your ideal performance is rooted in work. So the idea of bringing one's whole self without instruction is doomed to fail. And that's my opinion. It's doomed to fail. Because, again, the average person is first not aware of their own behavior enough to get to a point where they can start to unpack their ideas and challenge their thoughts and challenge their thinking. And when you're not aware, and at the same time you're absorbing nonstop content that's ultimately shaping and programming what comes out of your mouth, what is being the thoughts being generated in your mind, you're a, you're, you're a puppet you know, to whoever is feeding you. You know what I mean? You're the pet of whoever's feeding you. So if you're being fed political news all day, you're that news outlet's pet. And they're using you, or amplifier, right? They're using you to amplify that message. That's probably a better word for it. You're essentially part of an amplified message that's being methodically put out there for whatever reason. I'm not going to go into the whole idea of distractions in society and all that stuff. We're talking about values and the idea of bringing our whole self to work. Why it doesn't work. That's why I believe it doesn't work. So if that sit well with you, great. If it didn't sit well with you, ask yourself why it didn't sit well with you, right? But lead with the question, how much do I know myself? How well do I know myself? How much do I know about myself? Can I pinpoint every shareholder, right, that has contributed Right, that has influenced the, the ideas that I have. Take any random idea in your head, anything that you truly believe in, write it down, unpack it. If you're not challenging yourself, you know, if you're not presenting a counterpoint to anything that you think is true, then you don't know whether it's true or not. Right? There's a there's a there's a idea in philosophy that says, you know, and and I'm paraphrasing, you know, your point. Only has weight if there's a, if you can present a counterpoint. You know what I'm saying? There has to be you. You can only have a solid argument if there's a if you've argued it, and arguing it requires the points, point and counterpoint, point and counterpoint, right? Pros and cons. The whole you know create that table, line across the top, line down the middle. Pros and cons. What are the pros of this idea? What are the cons of this idea? If the pros outweigh the cons and it ultimately sits well with you and there's no one or two cons in there that are like, wow, that's that's a no, you know, no go. That kind of destroys this whole thing. Then you probably, my advice, shouldn't be amplifying that idea or thought because you haven't weighed it out. You haven't weighed it out yet. 
right? And we have this playing out in social media and going into any any social media outlet that you like to use and you see that weighing out. You literally see puppets, right? Amplification. You can tell who people listen to. You can tell what they watch by what is coming out of their mouth. And you can see the keywords, right? They use the keywords and the keywords feed those social algorithms that increase amplification, right? Increase audience, which ultimately increases ad revenues. But that's a different talk as well. But as it relates to the workplace, our interactions with others, right? Those are the other shareholders, the people that we're potentially influencing in a good way or a bad way, right? The people whose lives we ultimately impact. So whenever I think of, you know, bringing my whole self to work, there's a saying I used to say to my peers, and I probably said it on one of my pod, on one of my sessions within this podcast, you know, I, I used to leave my demons, which I now refer to my experiences, right, in the car. When I go into any situation, whether it's the workplace, whether it's a dinner party, you know, whether it's to meet friends or whatever, into my into the family room of my house, right, there's parts of me, because I've gained a deeper awareness of me and my shareholders, I know who added value and I know who didn't, right, and I know how that value add or you know, that didn't section can potentially influence my behavior towards others, right? If I came up under harsh, under a harsh critic in any area of my life and that made me a harsh critic, what do I need to do? Calm that harsh critic. So I need to basically, and this is where you're applying insight, right? What are the best parts of myself? How can I bring forth my best self? How can I evolve who I am, right? By questioning my beliefs, questioning my ideas, Questioning my behavior. Where's that coming from? Is it from a place of harm or help? You know, until you're evaluating and assessing your own performance as a person, you know what I mean? You run the risk of basically going into a situation blind, being unaware. You just program behavior, and you don't know if that behavior is helping or harming. And you see it. When you read an average thread, you can see how people are just... And in my mind, just unconsciously har- being unconsciously harmful because they're not aware of their own behavior. They're just repeating what's been learned. They're executing the program. And, you know, when I, as I said earlier, if I go into the family room or workplace or whatever, I think about where I'm going, who's there, how can I add value, right? And sometimes the, and this is something that I've been practicing increasingly is sometimes the the value or the behavior is really just an, a, an adaptation to the environment, right? Because there's some, and this is also comes with insight, there's some spaces that I can enter into where none of them, I have no intention of letting anyone there know who I am, right? Like if I go to, you know, I like to roller skate. When I go to a roller skating rink, my value add there is to respect my lane, you know what I mean? It's as simple as that. I'm aligned with the path that everyone is roller skating in. If everybody's roller skating to the left, you know, counterclockwise, I'm going to roller skate counterclockwise. I'm going to stay on the inside if I'm not going fast enough. If I'm going fast, I'm going to go to the outside. I'm going to adapt to the situation. My behavior is going to be adaptation. Is that who I am? No. I like to go against the grain. I like to go clockwise because I can do better crossover turns that way. You know what I mean? But sometimes you have to adapt. You have to negotiate, you have to compromise, right, to do well in that environment. 
And that's a simple example that basically highlights how my whole self is not going to add value in that scenario. So it's not required. It's not required. And it's not a loss. Me going into a situation and leaving 80% of myself in the car is not a loss. It's actually being compassionate and it's being considerate of the environment that I'm entering into, the value construct within that environment, what are the boundaries of that space that I'm entering into, right? Focusing on aligning with those boundaries, right? If I go to a shooting range, I'm not going to go in there and shoot without headgear or, you know, in a and, and handle handle my weapons in a manner that's not consistent with the values of the place because that can either that can potentially harm the experience for others. It can create a negative impact on the experience of others. So I'm going to go in there, align with the values. I'm going to wear eye protection. I'm going to wear ear protection. I'm going to handle my weapon in a manner that aligns with the with the rules, the boundaries of the space. Right. The only places where we suffer is where we don't have those rules, the rules of engagement. You know what I mean? So it's it's something that I talk about a lot. And I talk to my kids about that a lot, too. If you don't define rules of engagement, you know, they understand what that means. And I use language that makes sense to them. If you don't understand, if you don't define how you expect to be treated, people are going to treat you the way that they want. And the things that you allow them to do essentially is programming how they treat you. You're, teach, you're ultimately teaching others how to treat you. So if you operate from a, from a, from a you know, with, with parameters, with limits, right? Hey, there's limits. There's things that I don't do. There's things that I don't listen to. There's things that I don't talk about. There's things that I don't entertain. If you bring that, if you start there, right? Then you're going to have, you know, a situation where you're essentially... One, you have the, you're creating a safe space to compromise and negotiate and start to realize, oh, you know what? You, within our engagement, have made me feel safe enough to talk about that a little bit more. Like, I can talk about religion with you because you're not super, you know, there's no extremity. You know, it's not your, your opinions aren't extreme in either direction to a point where an argument's going to go nowhere. We can actually have a good conversation about it, right? But setting that tone at the beginning, setting the parameters, setting the... The, the sort of that fence creates a safe space for you guys to get to know each other, build a relationship, knowing that when I walk in, I'm not going to bring my whole self. I don't expect you to either, right? Bring what's going to be the best. Bring the pieces and parts of you that are going to make for a great situation here, right? That are suitable to this situation, right? A perfect example is if you, if you, Work in an organization that has nothing to do with politics. Your political views probably aren't going to add value. As nothing, if you're not working in the church, your religious views probably not going to add value. You know what I mean? You probably never even have to. If you think of, if you really think about it, you never even have to bring it up. You can keep it with you, and you're between you and you know the deity that you worship or the person that you you know whose platform you've aligned with. You can keep all of that to yourself and you won't lose anything because you're creating value ultimately, right? You're, the, the, you're creating value that's in alignment with the organization, the conversation, the scenario, right? You can apply it towards anything if you're going with that, with that mindset, right? 
I'm not here to impose all of myself on this situation or this argument or this conversation or this workplace or this work or this assignment. I'm here to add value, to observe where I can add value and then try to add that value, right? It doesn't require everything. It requires the best parts of me. It requires what is most suitable. It also presents an opportunity for me to improve in areas that ultimately make myself, right, that organization of the self, better. So just wanted to share some thoughts on that. And, and again, I, I, anytime you, think, you feel yourself thinking strongly about anything, question it, break it down. That's, I spend a lot of time as there, you know, within the bucket of time that I dedicate to that, just doing that, challenging my own ideas and beliefs. If something comes up and it resonates, I'm gonna I'm gonna unpack that later. I wanna know, all right, why did that why did that make you know why did that make me feel that emotion? Is it good for me? Is it bad for me? What's the what is it tying to? Is it triggering something? Is it triggering a past, you know, a, a sleepy influence out there, you know what I mean, within my personality? Please ask yourself those questions. You know, and there's nothing wrong with Asking yourself, am I being harmful or helpful before I say something, before I do something? But it requires awareness. So I just wanted to share that. It was a really, really unfortunate experience, and my heart goes out to the individual. Um, And I know it's not over. I know there's going to be a lot of um, hard questions asked within the organization around just what ultimately are, all right, how do we um, support (laughs) what is ultimately psychological safety as it relates to our efforts around inclusivity. And every organization needs to have that conversation, in my opinion. They need to have that conversation or it's going to get worse. As society becomes increasingly polarized from a political, religious, or any sort of ideological position, we are increasingly polarized. We're conditioned by sensationalized content that is designed to trigger an emotion and that emotion makes it sticky, right? A lot of our memories in our childhood are tied to an emotion. The emotion is the glue. So they create that bond, and then they start to condition and program and condition and program. And when you think about it, you have so many outlets competing for your attention because your attention ultimately equals ad revenue. If I can get you to look at my content, I can show you my sponsor's content. The more of you I can get looking at me, the more I can make off of showing you my sponsor's content, right? It's all about ad ad revenue. News changed when news allowed advertising. If you do the history, if you look back, you'll see that's when it changed. And then it just grew exponentially out of control with social media and 24-hour TV and all of these channels and this and that. So everybody is competing for your attention. And how do you do that? You got to clap real loud. Got to have, I have to draw your attention, shock and all. I have to distract you away from whatever you were looking at, draw your attention into my content and make it so just powerful that you're going to want to look, you're going to look for it. It's going to become addictive. You're looking for that, that feeling that my content gives you. And then you start to adapt And reflect that feeling, right, within your engagement with others to the point that they know exactly what you're listening to, what you're watching, what you're reading. 
and you don't even realize you're doing it. But at the same time, if it applies to you, you're also saying, well, this is who I am. No, that's who you're being shaped into. If you really, really stop and unpack it, you're being shaped into that person or personality, persona. Right? It's being formed. It's uh, in IT, it's, uh, you're a, uh, a node. Right? We would refer to, in IT, we'd refer to you as a, ner- a node that's been infected by malicious content. Right? And when computers are hacked, they're, you, know, you get the blast emails that go out, the Nigerian prints, whatever. You click on the executable file, the attachment unknowingly, or you click on the link that opens up that site. They end up installing something, and that something is basically a window. They now have access to your system. The more systems they have access to, they pump their code and they attack their real target. You're basically just a soldier, a puppet, a pawn within a larger attack, right? And you can tell if you pause. You, know, you can tell. You'll be able to understand what's happening. If you pause, become aware of your behavior, and start to question your own ideas, right? Right down the source. Where did I get this idea from? Where did I first hear this? Right? And then start to do your pros and cons. Have that argument. Consider the value that bringing that idea into your surrounding situations at. Where is it appropriate? You know, how many of us are asking ourselves that? Where is this appropriate? Those are things that I've learned the hard way. Every one of us has been wildly inappropriate at one time or another in our lives. Some of us still are. Until we start to ask ourselves, is this appropriate? We'll never know. When others will, <laughs> you'll, others will, but you won't. So, um, if it adds value, great. If it doesn't, well, it's cool as well. But I feel better because I got to talk about it, and I hope at least one of you feels better for hearing it. Thanks for the attention. This is Ken Rivera with Rivera Dojo. Until next time, take care, all.